Welcome to Where Will You Go, the FBC Tullahoma Missions podcast, where we ask our members and our listeners the simple question, where will you go as we seek to advance the gospel message of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God from here to the least reached people on planet Earth? Today in the pod, we have with us Brooke and Sarah, or Sarah and Brooke. They're going to share with us a couple of refugee stories. We hope you'll stick around. All right, today we have in the pod with us, who, Brooke? Tell us who you are. Tell us about yourself. And I'm going to make this door squeak because we forgot to shut it. Yeah, so my name is Brooke Neal. I went to Germany with our team uh, and I'm almost about to be 19 years old. And you shared this, you, you know, the overview of the Germany trip a while back on the podcast. If you miss that, you can go hear the Germany, some of the Germany team share about their trip. You can hear Brooke uh, go on, talk about her time in Germany and how she hopped out to go on the trip. So, Sarah, tell us who you are. Tell us about yourself. Uh, my name is Sarah Fuller, and I also went um, with the Germany team at the beginning of August. Um, I had only been on one other mission trip, and that was to Honduras back in 2011. Um, never been to Europe before, so I was just excited to learn more about refugees and about their culture. All right. So one of the things we have done, and you should have already heard one set of refugee stories by now, but we we wanted some of these uh, team members to come in and share with us a little bit about the stories that they experienced from the refugees, some of the refugees they met there. Um, You heard the overview of their trip, and then you heard from Amber and Pete a while back and some of the refugees they encountered. So Sarah and Brooke wanted to come in and share with us about some refugees they encountered as well. To give you a picture, we want you to, you know, we know you can't put a name to the face or a face to the name necessarily, but we want you to hear some of these stories. These are not fairy tales. These are not news clips. These are real-life stories involving real people who have real families, who have real joys, real sorrows, and you need to hear them. You need to feel burdened for them, feel joy for them, and empathize and sympathize with them. So, Sarah, why don't you start us off and tell us a story or two? Um, Okay, so I think that Amber and Pete um, shared about refugees that have already come to know the Lord, but the refugees um, I'm going to share about to my knowledge, do not, they're not believers. Um, they're Muslims. Um, but so I met two families while I was in Germany. Um, both were from Syria. The first family that I met, I met at the beginning of the week at the very first camp that we went to. Um, when we arrived at the camp, our team had split up into two groups, and some of us handed out hygiene bags to the bottom floor of the camp while the other members of the team went upstairs to hand out bags to the second floor of the camp. Um, I was part of the team that stayed on the first floor. We handed out our bags and talked to some of the families that were home, and then we went outside to wait for the rest of our team to finish up. And while we were waiting, I had to use the restroom, so I went back inside to look for a restroom. And I didn't see one on the first floor, but somebody had told me that there was one um, on the second floor. So I went upstairs, 
and when I came out of the restroom, um, Miss Louise, um, she is the wife of the missionary family that we um, were staying with in Germany. Um, she was talking to a woman and her brother standing in the hallway, and so she invited me over to talk with them, and a few minutes later, the woman and her brother um, invited us to their room to have coffee and tea. Um, when we walked into their room, the woman's husband and two children immediately began clearing their bed and motioning for us to have a seat And while they took a seat in the floor, and the woman made us tea and coffee. Um, the woman didn't know German, um, however, her brother did, so Miss Louise was able to communicate with him while I talked to the woman and her husband the best that we could because I didn't know their language and they knew very little English. Um, but I later learned from Miss Louise that the woman's brother had come to Germany to seek medical help because he has a form of cancer that is rapidly spreading to several parts of his body. Mm. Um, his doctor said they don't expect him to live much longer. And he also told Louise that his sister and her husband came to Germany not long after he did, and they are expecting another child in November. Her brother is trying to hold on until then so he can meet his new niece or nephew before he passes. Um, but I was just kind of blown away at their hospitality. They, I mean, we were strangers, and they invited us in um, to their little type it was like the refugee camp was set up like a dorm um it was this tiny room all of these people in there they sat on the floor so that we could sit on their bed that they had thrown things in the floor for us to sit down um and it just made me think about how many times we likely miss opportunities like this to learn more about others um because we're always in such a hurry we're too concerned with keeping our schedules or appointments um, that we just don't take the time to sit down and talk to someone and hear their story. Or too ashamed of our house. Yes. We didn't have time to pack everything in that closet, you know, or that room that you cram everything in and slam the door on before somebody comes. So you're like, well, my house isn't quite ready to let people into it. My house isn't quite ready for hospitality or my house isn't set up right for hospitality. And here's some people who literally have furniture and mm -hmm. the only furniture is their bed and they just clean it off for you to sit on they sit in the floor and, and it really gives some insight into when you read in the old testament and you read about these these men who let the angels in they just let them in and they keep the crowds out in sodom and gomorrah for instance or when abraham abraham is sitting under the oaks of mamre and he sees these men come up which we know to be Christ and two angels, if you know the story. He's sitting under the oaks of Mamre, and Christ and these two angels show up in human form, and he tells Sarah, get some food together. We've got to feed these men. It's it's an honor to show hospitality. And the sad thing is, and this has been my experience too, the sad thing is a lot of times Muslims who don't know Christ, who aren't believers, who aren't heaven-bound, obey this part of Scripture better than we do. Um, Hebrews 13, 2 says, Do not ne neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. And and they don't neglect to show that hospitality. And a lot of times it's just not even part of our DNA as Christians. It's, just, it's kind of indicting to us and humbling to us to see their concern for others. Right. 
Um, the second family I wanted to talk briefly about was also from Syria, um, and I met them at the last camp we went to at the end of the week. We weren't there at that camp as long, so I didn't get to talk to this family um, as long, but it was a husband and wife and four children. Um, one of their daughters had a hearing loss, and I learned that her hearing loss was caused by a bomb that had hit their village. Um, that same bomb also killed three of her siblings and destroyed her father's cafe business. And that's what brought them to Germany. Um, talking to that family really put things into perspective for me. Later that evening at our hotel, the Wi-Fi was going in and out while I was trying to talk to my husband, and I could feel myself starting to get very aggravated. But God stopped me right there and brought to mind the family I'd met earlier that day. And it made that problem I thought I had that evening seem so insignificant in reality. If you're not familiar with Syria, which you should be, um, because it was just recently that Turkey and Russia and the U.S. and everybody else was bombing Syria all about the same time in one area of Syria. If I'm not mistaken, these people are from Aleppo. Is that right? Do you remember? Yes. Yes. Aleppo was like the worst part of Syria to take these these bombs out of nowhere, and civilian after civilian after civilian was killed. So just imagine, you know, the, the greatest nightmare for any parent is losing a child. And they didn't lose one. They lost three, all in the span of one event that was really not their choosing, not anything they did to deserve this. They were born where they were born. Dad's running a cafe. They're living their life. And hell breaks loose. Um, feel compassion for these people and their loss. Yeah. I just encourage you all to pray for these families um, and pray for the missionary family on the ground in Germany, Mr. Vimal and Miss Louise, as they go back to these camps and continue developing the relationships that we started with them. Um, just pray that their ears would be open to the gospel and they would come to know and accept Christ as their Savior. Amen. Well, you know what that sound means. It means we're going to talk about our book of the month. You should have already read it. You should have already looked at it. You should have already been in a D group, a small group, a home group, some kind of group reading Missions, How the Local Church Goes Global by Andy Johnson. This book helps us see that missions is not just an individual calling. It is the calling and command for the church as a whole. Let's pray together. Let's give together. Let's go together. Let's work together to get missionaries on the field, partner with those missionaries, send some short team short-term teams to encourage them and engage the nations both at home and abroad. If you've not picked up a copy of Missions by Andy Johnson, you need to do it. There's some in the office. All right, today in the pod, we're talking about refugee stories and um, if you couldn't tell, our first segment was a bit heavy. We hear about cancer. We hear about loss. We hear about children being killed, children losing their hearing, families having to go on without their babies, and it's heavy. And that's just one story of many. And that was prior to what we saw in Afghanistan. Our team was over there prior to what we've seen in Afghanistan where there's just 
hundreds and thousands of more uh, situations just like that. Um, Brooke's got a refugee story. Is yours as heavy as Sarah's? I mean, it's his own story, so in a way, I guess, but okay. maybe not. <laughs> okay, so um, it was closer to the end of the week, and we were at the storage container um, camp, if you remember that back from a few podcasts ago. We were talking about some camps, and we were at that one, and um, kind of like Sarah, like you just kind of finish handing out bags at different times, and so a bunch of us were down um, stairs and had ran into um, a couple guys walking home um, I think from work that day or something and so we just kind of started talking to them a little bit and um, we learned uh, about them and kind of their story and so I want to share one of their stories with you so um, this man he was a Somalian and he had fled well I don't know that he fled my bad uh, he his mom took him and his brother to Dubai um, and told him to stay there with these people that she would come back for them in nine months. Um, and so I'm guessing as two young boys, they were a little bit confused and probably kind of scared. Um, and so they stayed there and waited. Well, nine months rolls around and the mom did not come back. And so him and his brother decided that they were not going to stay in Dubai, that they were going to leave. And so they, as teenagers, I think he said around 14 or 15 years old, they trekked to Germany. Um, he told us stories about him and his brother thinking it was funny and cool at the time to play in the water and run through um, in Turkey and Greece. And at the time, it was just kind of, in a way, a... Uh, fun in a sense of they're just two teenage boys having an adventure. Um, I don't think they exactly realized the hardship to come in that. And so they made it to Germany and it was about five years ago that they had got there when he was talking to us. And um, sometime in that period, his brother um, passed away. And I think that was a really hard part of his story because his brother had journeyed all that way with him and he didn't exactly know and had a lot of different ideas about how his brother was killed. And so that was very hard for him to not have peace about the situation, I think. Um, and so he had been staying with this guy who his father had known. He called him uncle. And so he was staying with uncle, but uncle had a story of his own. Um, he had several several children and his uh, wife, but she had left him for another man and took all the kids with her. And so he was very depressed. And he uh, told us often, uncle would just sit in his room and stare at the wall. And he would go off and walk around and come back to the house. And there uncle was staring at the wall. And um, that was very hard for him because he was much younger and um, just not depressed, didn't want to be that way, didn't want to sit in his room all day. And so it was hard for him to find a balance of how to help uncle, but how to take care of himself too. And so often he would find himself just walking the streets where the police and security would often get on him for um, what, like, why are you out here? What are you doing? You're causing trouble while he's just walking around and so it was very he was very much a target there and so um 
was very hard for him. But as we got to talk with him, um, we got to share the gospel with him and give him a Bible and a tract. And he um, probably talked with us for about an hour and a half that day and was very, very open to the gospel. And um, I'll never forget just how his demeanor kept changing the more we got to tell him about um, the gospel and the difference between um, what he believes as a Muslim and what we believe as Christians. And um, for him to just start realizing, like, Jesus isn't just a prophet, but Jesus came and he loves me so much that he died for me um, and that he doesn't have to um, come to Jesus uh, clean or anything like that, but he can just come to him as he is. Um, cause he would tell us about how with the Quran he had to shower like, yeah, he would have to shower mm-hmm. and do all these different things. The Quran could only be placed in a certain area and all these things. And so we encouraged him that you can read the Bible whenever you want, you know, as much as you want. And, uh, it was funny cause, um, Amber had told him, hey, well, start in Psalms, you know, and just kind of read through. And he was like, what are you talking about? I'm going to start in the beginning, and I'll read through it in two to three days. Um, And we were also excited because he is a very smart guy, and I definitely believe that he read the Bible in two or three days. And um, he just seemed very, very open to it and uh, had lots of questions that we got to answer. And so um, it was a really neat encounter and definitely impacted me uh, in a lot of different ways. And yeah, you can always just be praying for him that he would uh, continue to be open to that. Um, He ended up getting Vamal's number and they got to exchange contact information. And so hopefully they'll get to uh, talk soon and follow Mm up. Cool. Reminds us again of Acts 17, 26 and 27, that he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling places, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. Let's pray for these Syrian families. Let's pray for the Somalian young man that as God has relocated them and his sovereignty, that he would move them to search for him and seek for him and that his spirit would seek for them and find them. So let's pray for them as we close out our time together. God, thank you for Sarah, for Brooke, for their willingness to go, for the willingness to be vulnerable to these people and to hear their stories and to feel for them and to be involved in their lives to this extent. We pray, God, that you would use the seeds that were sown and that are continuing to be sown there in Germany to convict and draw these Syrian families to you that they would find peace in you, that they would find comfort in you. And, God, for this Somalian young man, that you would motivate him, move him to read your word, and that he would hear your voice. We know that faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. So we pray as he reads that you would speak to him and convict him and draw him to yourself, God. We pray for comfort for these families. We pray for comfort for all those who are displaced, that you would help them to encounter you in your sovereign plan. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Brooke, for joining us today in the pod. Oh, yeah, it's a pleasure. Good deal. Thank you for joining us in the pod today and for listening to our FBC Tullahoma Missions podcast, Where Will You Go? We know where you're going to go Sunday. You're going to walk down that missions hallway because you haven't done it yet. I'm watching. I'm looking. Go down the mission hallway. Poke on the key. Ask. Check out 
the videos. Check out the testimonies. Check out the five tiers of mission. Maybe step inside the library and pick up a missionary biography or Andy Johnson's book on missions and read it. And make sure that you listen to the pod next week. Join us back here. We'll see you here next Monday. Until next time, God bless.